Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Security Token Show. I'm Herwig Konings, and with me is my co-host, Kyle Sondlin. This week, we're going to be discussing Section 12G and its effects on security token liquidity and investor limitations. Welcome back to all our regular listeners, and hello to anyone new. I can't wait to dig into 12G and secondary trading regulations, but before we get into that topic, I would like to remind our listeners of the usual programming agenda so we can kick off this week's show. We don't do interviews on this podcast, and instead, we begin the show each week with our Companies of the Week segment, where we pick our favorite companies making the biggest moves in the space, which then is followed by Herwig's news update, the latest in STOs and trading activities from me, and then finally, into our exciting exciting main topic discussion on Section 12G. So let's get this show started with our Companies of the Week, and Herwig, who do you have for yours for Episode 54? Well, Kyle, as you know, and some of our loyal listeners know, I am bullish on the security token ecosystem in Japan. You see, I wrote an article earlier this year chronicling their rise, and since then, the island nation has done nothing but deliver. That's why I'm excited to give my company a week award to Japanese tokenization platform Boostry. So Boostry is a, it's a joint venture between Nomura and affiliate Nomura Research. And so for those of you who don't know, Nomura is the 67th largest bank in the world, almost a half a trillion in assets under management. And they obviously have a range of financial services, especially a big focus on investment banking. So Boostry is Nomura's technology platform for tokenization, and it has already been busy testing two public corporate bonds already in the market now. And SBI, a major Japanese investment bank, has officially last week purchased a 10% stake in Boostry, forming now a strategic alliance between the companies. So presumably the platform is also built on R3's Corda, since actually Nomura and SBI SBI invested in uh, R3. And also, SBI, it's worth noting, invested in Securitize. So, you know, we'll see if that leads to any partnerships or if this is actually a hedged bet. Uh, But, you know, we'll definitely be on the the lookout. Uh, And Japan is making moves once again. Boostry, congratulations. You just got another big backer and hopefully we'll be launching even more security tokens to the world soon. You're my company of the week. That's fantastic. Shout out to Boostry as well as Nomura for for paving this way for Japan and and it's awesome to see the Japanese ecosystem continuing to develop. You definitely should check out Herwig's article on Medium through the Security Token Advisors uh, platform on our Security Token Group blog because he covers everything in Japan and everything that's happened over the last, you know, 18 months in terms of the development in that space because there has been so much developments and he's got some great graphics in there to really help you put all those pieces together. So check that one out for sure. And it just so happens that my company of the week is also from Japan, Herwig. Nice. This week we're talking about Lead Real Estate. And this company is a major part of the security token project because it really captures the essence of the global nature of security tokens. So we're talking about Lead Real Estate, which is a Japanese real estate development company that has properties in Tokyo as well as across America, Hong Kong, and the Philippines. And they announced the launch of their fundraising campaign for equity in the firm 
partnering with Dubai-based Grip for brokering, as well as US-based Securitize for issuance and Rialto Markets for ATS services. So Lead Real Estate was established in 2003 and has executed more than 500 projects to date. It mainly develops and sells single apartment buildings, luxury homes, hotels, office buildings, and it's now selling preferred equity in the company in a security token fundraise. This offering gets me pretty excited because they are absolutely embracing the value of global capital markets, which offer opportunities never before seen to private companies. This Japanese firm is working with a Dubai financial brokerage firm and leveraging US-based compliance solutions to ensure the regulatory conditions for investment and secondary sales are met internationally. I think this is an incredibly exciting development for the firm and the integrations between Grip, Securitize, Rialto, and maybe any of the other players that are also working on this deal is something to be commended. I know many of our listeners of this podcast do work in the security token industry, and I do feel it's very important to reiterate that collaboration is the name of the game in this space. We all must work together to prove our strategies can compete with traditional solutions, and that all hinges on our ability to integrate with each other's technologies, each other's standards, and all of the regulatory restrictions from any country around the world. I do have more information about this lead real estate STO that we'll cover in my STO segment later in the show, so you can look forward to that as well. Congratulations to lead real estate for a successful launch, and hopefully they can cl- they can close this fundraise quickly so we can start that lockup period and get this thing trading. Yeah, man. Uh, that's an awesome choice. Again, Japan crushing it, but a great point about the coordination. This is actually what we help issuers do with all the various vendors involved in an STO, as well as actually platforms uh, and, and other companies like Re- Lead Real Estate did here, helping them curate and collaborate and coordinate all these different partnerships. So that's really great stuff. Can't wait to hear more about that. And with that, let's get into the news. But as always, a reminder, folks, all of the articles that we discuss on the show, they are sourced from stomarket.com news. And they're also available for reference individually in the about description of where you're listening on the podcast, or also always on the Security Token Show Medium blog. So let's get into it. Starting off with a financing round, Celsius, a crypto lending platform, not quite security tokens, but they did raise a financing round via Bank to the Future and raised almost $19 million from over 85,000 investors. That's extremely impressive. Uh, And Bank to the Future intends to launch a security token exchange as well. So maybe we'll eventually see some of their previous deals like Celsius here get tokenized and start trading someday. That would be cool. And Thailand's uh, exchange ecosystem just got a little bigger with the sixth crypto license being awarded by regulators to ERX, which presumably stands for Elevated Returns Exchange. And now that makes what really makes this license interesting is that ERX is not for crypto assets, it's for security tokens. And more interestingly, Elevated Returns, which is the parent company, is the issuer behind the St. Regis and Aspen token. So for, you know, the, the announcement, by the way, also said that ERX will have a pipeline of about a billion dollars in deals of tokenized real estate that's, that's coming to the platform. And it's built on AlphaPoints, white label blockchain-based exchange technology. So you know, I think this is really extremely exciting stuff. I know Kyle has an update for us later on the show about the Aspen token, but it's really great to see Elevator Returns making big moves like this, their press release said that this now completes their infrastructure, which they've been busy building for 18 months now. Really awesome stuff. And over in the US, we also have another broker dealer, uh, or another security token marketplace by a broker dealer coming. 
uh, Watchdog Capital. So the platform is called Gladius. And Bruce Fenton, the founder and then the registered representative at the broker-dealer, says, quote, Changes in the securities market as well as developments in Bitcoin, Ethereum, DeFi, and security tokens are accelerating. There is a convergence with the established securities industry and new decentralized technologies. Venture capital, investment banking, and crowdfunding are also undergoing transformation. There is a great need for capital and business formation in the United States, and many new security structures, business models, and business plans are emerging as the world is changing, end quote. And, you know, it looks like Gladius intends to meet that need. We'll be on the lookout for STL listing announcements on the Gladius platform. And speaking of new platforms, tomorrow, Wednesday, 29th, a new issues platform is launching that is called Tokenizer. The platform claims it will allow anyone to tokenize any of their assets, like cars or art, all the way to investments like stocks and real estate. You'll even be able to trade them on their exchange, Furthermore, the company claims to be an end-to-end -end DeFi, right? Decentralized finance solution, which if you missed it, by the way, we covered DeFi on the show on episode 51, which you can go check out individually on YouTube. We'll definitely be watching and learning more, and maybe we'll have an update for you on this next week post-launch. And Home Equity Line of Credit, or HELOC, lending platform figure scored another client for their SaaS solution, allowing for white label HELOC origination with figure and the Providence technology behind it. So the client is HomePoint Financial, which has over 250,000 borrowers already. So Figure can probably expect a lot of HELOC loans to be issued using that Providence blockchain. Figure is really leading the charge here in the HELOC lending world with this platform digitizing the process and the existing lenders can now evolve with their technology. Really cool to see that adoption. And two-time Company of the Week winner Tokeny is in the news again, this time for a partnership announcement with Invenium. For those of you not familiar, Invenium provides tools and software to connect asset data to the blockchain, which helps with price discovery, as well as asset integrity, of course. This is a smart partnership that further optimizes the capability of Tokenese issues platform and their tokens, of course. I also have to make a correction from last week's episode. I may have misread the article when I said that Monaco's STOs will only be available to citizens of Monaco, which is in regards, by the way, to Tokeny being chosen as the exclusive tokenization provider for the region. Turns out after speaking you know, to the horse's mouth directly, investors from all over the world may be able to participate in these STOs for Monaco. So that's huge news, I should say. Really exciting for investors everywhere to soon be able to invest in a region that was previously difficult to get access to. And the final company announcement is from issuance platform Bitbond, which has officially become a member of the German Banking Association, which is, of course, an industry organization for private banks. They'll be bringing their tokenization expertise to the group. So maybe we'll see if some big banks partner up with Bitbond as a result. Industry associations outside of blockchain are great ways to educate issuers and investors. So I think that's a really smart move on the behalf of Bitbond. And moving into our resources and opinion section of the news from last week, we're kicking off with Colin Post from Cointelegraph, who gives a robust outline of the latest security token momentum in the industry in a piece called, Who's Afraid of Security Tokens? STO Ecosystem Starts to Deliver on the 2018 Hype. Woo! Let's go. And just when things were starting to get exciting for DeFi, regulation may become a reality check. For DeFi, two attorneys, Ethan Silver and William Brannon from Lowenstein Sandler, authored an article questioning whether Compound's governance token is possibly a security. 
Compound is the biggest lending protocol in DeFi with its governance tokens already seeing 100% price increases since its launch just last month. I mean, the legal pair gave the comp token the Howey test rundown and the conclusion is that there is definitely a case to be made where the SEC sees comp the tokens as a security. This could spell huge problems for the DeFi space, which is exploding right now. And if, you know, especially if the SEC steps in, that's gonna be a problem. And when you say exploding, that's usually when the SEC starts to take notice. I think this is a really interesting article that you should absolutely read if you're interested in, in what can constitute security. One of the biggest things in this article that's notable is the fact that they, they say that even if you have outside uses for a token, in this case, whether it be governance or anything else, if it seems like the investors were purchasing into this thing in you know the goals of having this thing increase in value over time, so if they're primarily buying it for those speculative rights to sell for larger prices in the future, even if you have outside uses or utilities for this token, it still can be considered a security. So that's an important distinction that we haven't exactly seen the SEC clarify on in, in, in you know, specific words. But if that's the case and they do see it that way, be very careful about issuing governance tokens or any other kind of utility token if you're planning on selling it because it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not a security. Yeah, great point. And that's why I thought this article was, was really potentially devastating for the DeFi industry as well, given you know what a security is constituted here in the United States. Moving on, we've got Gene Dayev, the CEO of STO Box, also who wrote an article on the tokenist about native blockchains for security tokens and talks about smart lands and polymesh and others. Definitely worth a read if you're interested in the blockchain layer for security token technology and also catch our interview with the CEO of STO Box on the security token group Medium blog. And Anthony Butler wrote a nice piece on Gulf News about how tokenization will disrupt multiple assets and business processes, for example, finding working capital against receivables or general obligation bonds. It's always cool to see different approaches to security tokens, so read that article if you're interested in it. And finally, we have a market report from the AMA Research Group, supposedly covering extensively the security token industry with over 100 graphics and data charts and reviews of the players in the landscape. Now it is $3,800 for a license, so I'm gonna pass on this one, but others may be interested. Let us know if it's worth getting it if you've bought it. Or check out for free the market reports issued by STM Security Token Market. Every month we post secondary market reports as well as quarterly fundraising and infrastructure fundraise reports from security token advisors. We have a ton of research content all for free on our blog. We've got all kinds of good stuff there on the security token group medium blog. And that's a wrap for the news. What's on tap for the virtual events, Kyle? Well, first off, we have a video on demand of a panel that I was fortunate enough to be invited to join from John Lombella, who's the host of the Redefine Your Hustle podcast. And he hosted me on the show to talk DeFi and the future of finance. So we had a blast. I met John at Crypto Invest Summit in October. I was the host of that panel, and he was one of the members talking about security token offering opportunities in Africa and how the, the global financial systems can, can really improve the, the financial situation there. And so we had a great conversation this time talking about the adoption of digital securities and stable coins in Africa, as well as the future of the security token adoption around the world and how that can impact many of these different countries that wouldn't necessarily have the exposure. And so it was a great, awesome conversation. Would, would definitely recommend you checking it out. Thanks again for John having me on the show. 
That's great stuff, Kyle. We also had the we have the iStocks webinar. iStocks is the Singapore-based exchange that now has four security tokens that are listed on their exchange. And they're hosting a webinar on Wednesday, July 29th at 8 a.m. EST, covering the use of blockchain to facilitate disintermediation and empower participants. They're also going to continue talking about how that model can be integrated with the current model of capital markets via security tokens and how the need for stringent rules to ensure that the investing public remains protected are integrated into those systems. So the panel is going to be hosted by Chu Oyi, who is the CCO of iStocks, who is then joined by executives from BitGo, Parity Technologies and Zillica, the Maker Foundation and even Binance. So this is another great example of some of the largest names in crypto, whether it's Zillica, Maker, Binance and how those, those players are paying attention to security tokens and traditional financial applications for blockchain. This is very exciting stuff. I would highly recommend you checking this out to hear about the developments and the opinions of security tokens in the, the Asian markets from some of the biggest players in the space. Great panel lineup. Thanks for putting that together, iStocks. And then finally, we have the Security Tokens Realized event on August 25th. This is titled, How Many Trillions of Dollars of Assets Will Be Digitized by 2025? I love the title. The hope is that we will definitely have trillions of assets by 2025. And certainly at the rate that we're growing right now, we can expect that that's, that's something that we'll see. Panelists are still to be announced, but the registration is open now. So we'll give you more information on that one as we get it. Moving into the STOs and STO updates, I've got some updates for you. And the first update this week comes from a high-profile blockchain-based fund, Science Blockchain. If you're not familiar with Science Blockchain, the firm raised an ICO for about $10 million in 2017, selling direct economic interest, or indirect, excuse me, economic interest in their investment fund, which was removed from the markets and reissued under Securitize as a security token once the regulation became much more clear and they realized that, wait, no, this is actually security. It's actually a very similar structure and timeline as the blockchain capital BCAP token, which we've covered before. They did a very similar structure where they self-issued, realized they couldn't self-issue and they couldn't do this as an ICO. And instead, they then worked with Securitize to reissue. It is also indirect economic interest in the same way as BCAP, where they will buy tokens off of the secondary market when they have an acquisition in order to increase the value of each underlying asset. Not an ideal structure, but one that I think that they tried to do to get around some of those securities laws and, and it's kind of carried over. Regardless of that, Science Blockchain is in the news because they published their Q2 NAV report, announcing that the firm saw a 145% increase from the $0.38 cents NAV in March to $0.91 cents as of June 30th, 2020. Unlike blockchain capital tokenized funds, Science Blockchain's portfolio consists of a much larger portion of 12 crypto assets, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, EOS, and then a host of other projects that, quite frankly, I didn't even recognize. Considering the craziness around ICOs, though, I don't know if that's honestly a bad thing, considering I didn't see any of the assets that have seen any violation things from the SEC. But they also did have a smaller portfolio of equity investments with one notable convertible debt asset from Wave Financial, who has been covered here on the podcast multiple times for the launch of the Wave Kentucky Whiskey 2020 Digital Fund that we covered on episode 36 and 41. The announcement concluded with what I think is maybe the biggest piece of news from their release, which stated that the fund is, quote, actively negotiating an agreement with an alternative trading system and expects upon completion of this agreement that the newly issued SCI2 tokens will be eligible for trading on the ATS within 45 to 90 days, if not sooner. 
I don't have any more information regarding which ATS this could be, but we have covered most of them that have had a clear security token focus on this show in the past. Could it be T0, Open Finance, a newcomer like Rialto or North Capital, or maybe it's somebody new? Expect live trading SCI2 tokens in Q3, regardless of who it is. I also do have to add here that I maybe was able to see that the SCI2 token that is newly reissued by Securitize could, have, could become a direct economic interest token instead of that indirect, which would mean that they would just distribute profits to the token holders instead of you know, buying them and burning them. It's obviously the ideal method and it's what you would see in a traditional LP structure. So it would be a fantastic thing if it's true, but I can't confirm that at this time. And as soon as I can find out more information on that, I'll let you know, because that would be a pretty big deal. Definitely would widen their audience because as you said, much friendlier towards investors, much more digestible. 100%. Moving forward, investment platform Shareable Asset, which was Herwig's company of the week in episode 46, announced last week that it has successfully completed the fundraising round for its first property. In partnership with UK-based property developer Oxhay Development, the firm began a fundraise for a rental property in the UK with a net rental yield of 9% per year and a three-year rental guarantee from the developer. The fundraise closed over a week ahead of the original deadline at the end of July with over 5,000 investors from more than 25 different countries investing in the offering, further proving that there's just so much international demand for these real estate assets. We're talking 9% per year, three-year rental guaranteed from the developer. I mean, there's not a lot of places that you're going to pretty much get a 9% guaranteed return, especially when it's backed by a stable asset like real estate. That's why they were my company of the week, Kyle, because they pretty much exemplify uh, fractional ownership, right? Being able to easily invest into real estate, call, you know, just 100 euros basically, I believe, is the minimum mm-hmm. rent. It's incredible. So congrats to them on that. They also confirmed a pipeline of 20 to 30 million in real estate expected to launch by the end of 2020. So they've got some more properties. Clearly, they have a ton Fantastic. of investor demand. So this is a huge player that's going to be coming to market. Keep an eye on shareable asset and what they're working on. Great stuff from that team. T0 also was in the news this week, or last week rather, that it announced that it will trade Aspen tokens sometime in Q3. The Aspen shares represent $18 million of indirect ownership into the St. Regis Aspen Resort, a five-star, 179-room luxury hotel located in Aspen, Colorado. I do have to mention this is from Elevated Returns, who Horwick mentioned earlier in the podcast episode. And so this is pretty huge news because T0 has hinted at this listing in particular in the past, but it's never fully completed the process in listing an outside asset on their ATS. CEO Somnor Salehi did confirm by quote that it will be listing this quarter. So it seems like it's finally happening. This will be the second test for T0's own token as well, because as it begins listing other assets, you'd expect increased volume on the exchange, resulting in revenue-sharing distributions to T0op holders. The T0 exchange may be turning a crucial corner that can help thrust security tokens into the institutional spotlight by providing high-quality assets on a much larger scale. In addition to that, it is important to remember that, as Herwig had mentioned, Elevated Returns has a Thailand-based liquidity solution as well. I'm not sure in terms of which international investors are able to invest on the T0 platform, but I think there's some speculation that potentially this Thailand option will be for international investors and then potentially the T0 platform could be what US-based investors are going to participate in. 
The beauty of blockchain, right? You can much, much easier access another exchange around the world and connect and make that process more seamless. I think that may very well be the case, Kyle, but really great news to see another asset getting listed. That's, of course, big for the industry, more tokens, but also, as you said, more potential, more down in the runway. We may see more announcements coming from the company in the coming weeks of more assets getting listed. Very, very exciting. Really Absolutely. I feel like I feel like with T0 especially, it's kind of been just trying to get this monkey off their back in terms of getting that first asset listed and figuring out that process. And the hope is that once they have one, then you start to see the floodgates open more or less because you know it's a, it's not quite as big of a deal to list a, a fourth or fifth token as opposed to the first. So we're rooting we'll for see. it. We'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed. And certainly the, the market performance that we're going to dig into in just a second will also help figure. So, unfortunately, all of the news this week wasn't positive. Coindesk's Danny Nelson reports that NBA player Spencer Dinwiddie's token sale for ownership in his NBA contract has prematurely closed. It is reported that Dinwiddie was only able to sell nine tokens that were priced at 150 k a pop to eight individual investors. Those nine tokens represented about 10% of the fundraise goal of 90 tokens, representing $13 million of his $34 million NBA contract. So we raised about $1.3 million of the 13.5 that he was aiming for. The terms of the offering and the fundraise details were always strongly protected via NDA, and much of the offering details were left to rumor, which may have contributed to the lack of investor interest as the details were kind of never very clear. On top of that, it does seem relatively odd to me to keep the minimum investment so high at 150K because it does seem to add significant friction even for passionate investors. I'm also sure that the, vibe, the virus added considerable stress to the Dream Fan Shares team, and I do want to congratulate Spencer Dinwiddie for seeking innovation and putting his brand on the line for this offering. He's done a great job at being a spokesperson and representing this industry with class, and, and I think he's done a great job. So despite the disappointing returns, the token investments that were made are still valid, and he is going to be issuing $1.3 million worth of tokens to those investors. So I see no reason why they may not eventually hit secondary markets, so hopefully Hopefully we can get them live on stlmarket.com as soon as possible. So congrats to Nuity for at least succeeding in issuing, fighting that fight with the NBA and getting his offering off the ground. And who knows where the Dream, Dream Fan Shares platform goes from here. He's pioneering. You got to give credit, honestly, in this transparency. That's really great. We know that the Dream Fan Shares platform will continue. And as you said, he successfully just got himself $1.3 million from others, and he did it in a completely digital tokenized manner. So really great stuff. We're, we're hoping to continue to see more announcements from the Dream Fan Shares platform. Congrats, Spencer, and, and best of luck with all of your future operations with Dream Fan Shares. And so circling back to my company of the week this week, which is Lead Real Estate, the brokerage firm working with, the, with Lead is called Grip. And they're assisting with the fundraise in the first investment collateral through a press release last week. So in the post, Grip announced that 10 million equity is going to be sold and the fundraise begins today, July 27th. The issuance is a first for the majorly the major global compliant digital securities offerings in the Middle East. And so it's the first offering that will be issued and hopefully successful out of the Middle East. And so this article also mentions the statement from the Dubai International Financial Center that GRIP is on course to establish a private securities marketplace out of Dubai. So this is potentially another liquidity solution for asset issuers, maybe anywhere around the world. 
It also mentioned that Lead Real Estate Fundraise announcement that they were at a partnership with the newly approved ATS Rialto Markets, which made headlines a few weeks, three months ago rather, through its approval for an ATS license with a focus on digital securities. We heard that the rumored public launch for the marketplace was expected in Q3 of 2020, and I believe that this is the first listing announcement for the platform. So certainly the fundraise will dictate how quickly the lead real estate asset can be listed, but it is great news that both lead real estate is conscious of the liquidity plans this early in its issuance process, and that Rialto is moving according to schedule and are working to onboard new assets as soon as possible. Finally, we've got one last asset here um, that I wanted to include because they did use the right terminology, but but one that's a little bit more opaque, I think, in, in its, its underlying asset, and that is an STO called Kelpcoin, K-E-L-P. And so Kelpcoin is a security token representing a futures contract for one ton of living seaweed forest <laughs> on a marine permaculture platform. So okay. climatefoundation.org is fundraising for the development of an aquatic ecosystem and is raising a security token backed by the future production of the restoration efforts. So it seems that this might potentially be just a donation to a marine biologist organization that is mislabeled as a security token. Um, it seems like a really good cause, but you definitely need to do your own research here and contact the Kelpcoin team to figure out exactly how a ton of living seaweed is valued as a commodities forward contract. I, I mean, if, if this is the case, and again, they say that it is a, a, a forward contract, but I don't really know what a marine permaculture platform is. I'm not sure how this is delivered or if it is even delivered. I don't know what the market looks like for living seaweed forests, but, um, this is a novel attempt at an asset back to a, a token. And if you're interested in, in helping the conservation efforts of Kelpcoin, definitely check that one out. I think that's really cool. In fact, could potentially be kind of a brilliant way to use a security token for a organization like this to raise capital. So if it is indeed some kind of a financial instrument with a right based on seaweed, again, pretty cool. It's exciting. So check it out. And again, just another great example of how security tokens can be used to create investment offerings that, that were never possible before. So moving into our market update, it was a little bit of a quieter week this week, but as always, all news and pricing data is sourced from stomarket.com. We've got live updating prices of all these assets, so definitely go there and check it out. And so the market cap this week closed above $300 million, her wake up 6% right. from last year and driven by an 18% gain from OSTKO, which was Amazing. up, as I said, 18% this week as it just continues its tear. Um, T-Zero's price did see a sharp decline this week, down about 10% from $3.50 from its local high of about $3.80 last week. So we'll see how that goes over time. But Mount Pelerin also had a, which had a strong price decline over the last two months or so, actually had a pretty strong week to break that decline with prices over the last seven days trading above last Monday's closing price with the shares now hovering around $3.00. On top of that, real estate also had an exceptional week where seven out of 10 properties closed positive this week and three of them, Marlowe, Andover, and Audubon were up double digits each, as high as 14% in just this week for Andover. And again, that's with double digit dividends on top of it. The other tokens have pretty weak liquidity from open finance and exchange, so we're not really gonna cover those, but uh, regardless, awesome work for T0 and Overstock, which just continue to fly. 
300 million let the you know pr keep getting broken yeah we're, we're the highest we've ever been we're paving the way every week and, and security tokens are seeing a tremendous increase just like the the crypto markets but i think that's something that we're more confident in is the, having that underlying asset to uh provide some a price anchor to a lot of these assets so we're not expecting that to go down anytime soon great to see that growth so with another week of trading in the books, Herwig, I think it's time for us to cover our main topic, which centers around an obscure rule in private securities liquidity that can play a significant role in the liquidity of security tokens that leverage U.S. private fundraising exemptions that we covered in just last week's episode. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, I would highly recommend checking out at least the main topic, which is posted separately on our YouTube channel via the Security Token Show Highlights pop playlist. But this week, we wanted to cover Section 12G of the Exchange Act of 1934. And this small section applies a limit to the number of shareholders, or as they refer to it in the legal documentation, record holders, that a private security can have before the issuer needs to publicly report its financial statements to shareholders and the SEC. Section 12G caps the, share, the holders of record rather at, at 2,000 people which created a multi-year discussion in security token circles regarding whether this section could kill public ownership of security tokens, potentially crushing any dreams of liquidity for these assets. However, what has been determined in reality is that the term record holder is not directly synonymous with investor. In the same way that you don't technically own your shares of stock purchased on brokers like TD Ameritrade, which custody on your behalf when dealing with exchanges, security token ATSs and marketplaces can represent the record holder of a security token on behalf of its investors, allowing just one record keeper to be present on the ledger. All right, so basically when it comes to using secondary markets for security tokens, like broker-dealer managed markets like Open Finance Network or regulated exchanges like Merge, they're the ones considered holders of record in the eyes of the law and when they themselves manage their own registry of investors on their own platform. So these brokers are often to referred actually as the street name on the ledger. And so T0 or Merge would be the street name on record as the beneficial owner and they themselves could have tens of thousands of investors in their own registry. With this, it actually doesn't seem that way that Section 12G will create a huge problem for security tokens. But unfortunately, that isn't just quite, not quite really true. You see, the big issue for security tokens and Section 12G is self-custody. So when you say self-custody, you mean an investor who has their security tokens sitting in their own personal wallet, at which point they have the freedom to then interact with any exchange or liquidity provider offering exchange services, custody, staking, or maybe other opportunities. That's right, Kyle. Self-custody is one of those cool benefits of security tokens because as an investor, I have full control, right? I can sell it peer-to-peer -peer directly to someone without any third parties involved, or I can move it to another marketplace. But right now, maybe I don't want to sell it, so I could decide to self-custody. But therein lies the issue. Okay, because the moment that the 1999 investors or 500 non-accredited investors have self-custody, you've now triggered that Section 12G. Essentially, self-custody creates a real challenge for issuers looking to avoid registering with the SEC. You know, the best way to solve for this is to have cross-protocol support between marketplaces for the security token and, you know, to restrict self-custody so that investors can basically only move between street names 
and it doesn't ever become a beneficial record holder on the cap table, the capitalization table, the, the registry, the ledger, creating artificial constraints, essentially preventing the limit from being broken. Yeah, so I think in layman's terms, if you want liquidity, self-custody just isn't going to work. In principle, if all participants are on the blockchain, smart contracts using atomic swaps could prevent that limit from being broken and still give up to, say, 1,999 individuals or 499 non-accredited investors. They would have the ability to self-custody maybe by either setting a minimum size requirement or using a custodian that can act as a street name exclusively. Atomic swaps are currently being leveraged by Securitize for their instant access platform, which we covered in great detail in episode 41, if you want to check that out. Unfortunately, these limits were just installed thanks to the amendment actually by the Jobs Act of 2012 to that rule. So regulatory reform probably isn't going to come anytime soon. Uh, we will see what best practices ultimately result from this, and it's possible the industry players will come up with a solution of their own. But as it stands, U.S. issuers Section 12G will create a problem when it comes to self-custody for security tokens. But it definitely does not prevent liquidity, and it definitely doesn't prevent you from having more than 2,000 investors. You just need to kind of force them to trade with a street name or an exchange, which requires centralization that's somewhat against the ethos of decentralized finance, but I think we can persevere. And that's pretty much all there is to it when it comes to STOs in Section 12G. Hopefully, you wonderful listeners found this segment useful and helpful. If you have any questions, feedback, or maybe even main topic suggestions, let Kyle or I know we're active on Twitter or LinkedIn, or submit a thread directly on stomarket.com news so the community can also participate. Thanks for listening to the episode this week. Don't forget to check out the videos on any main topic we covered in the past that you may have missed. It's all organized by topic on our YouTube channel. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>